This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to, uh, you know, the Lord told me to preach on the four H's this year. I started out just a couple, three, four months ago. We preached on hope. We stayed on it for a while. And uh, I felt like that was what God wanted. And then the other two that we haven't gotten to yet, we will get to. One of them is humility. And I can tell you by serving God for 46 years that God resists the proud. But boy, does he ever take notice of the humble. And uh, so humility is so, is so much through the Bible. It is just such a wonderful, wonderful study. And we'll, we'll get into that, uh, or, you know, we'll get onto that at some point. And then the other one is honor. And honor is missing in our culture because we, we people have dishonor. And it's almost like we don't even know what honor is anymore. But and rather than the world tell us what honor is, we need to go to the Bible. The Bible will clearly and absolutely show you what honor is. So we'll get into those subjects maybe a little bit later on. But right now, God has directed me to preach on the subject of holiness. Now, I want to say this, and I, I need you with me today, because I understand that this subject is not basically being covered anywhere anymore. But if you'd have gone to the churches I went to in my early days, we heard about this a lot. And there was an expectation of God's people to know what holiness was and to do their best to walk in it. It was like understood if I am going to be, he is a holy God. When he saved me, that was a holy thing that he did. Therefore, my response should be to try to be and to walk in holiness. And the church I attended, I'm so glad that they actually did talk about it and challenge the people to live and to walk as much as they could in a holy life. Now what's happened over time is it got a little heavy handed and confusion came and holiness that was supposed to be from the inside out began to be from the outside in. It was the way you dress. It was the way you, it was all of that. And somehow when we got into that, we lost what holiness was about. It was only about the external. And so then people got totally confused about what holiness was. Fortunately, some people came along in the 60s, 70s, and 80s and said, you know, and they reset it a little bit. And, and they used a term, they said, holiness is not really fear, but it's more like awe and respect. And they were pretty accurate with it. But then the problem became all at once. Then it became, well, we can just be holy because Jesus said we were, but we don't have to do anything out here and we don't have to live. Any, and then we lost it again. So now here we are in 2022 and the church of Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you most Christians, especially if they've come in in the last five years, they have no clue what the Bible has to say about holiness because no one is preaching it. No one is teaching it. 
And this scripture says here in 1 Peter 1.16, for it is written. Now, when it uses that statement, this is, this is both a logos, it's a word that is recorded, it is not going to change. It is already settled. God has already put his stamp on it. It is what it is. It is written, be ye holy as I am holy. Now that is God, and I realize it's Leviticus where, where Peter repeats it, but this is way after Jesus has come, died, been raised from the dead, gone back to heaven, you know, and, and, and the church has been established, and he's still talking to the church about being holy. Now remember, this message is really not to the world. God, we all know that they don't have a clue what this is. But the church should know what being holy is. And we should be in some shape, form, or manner trying to be like God. Are you listening to me? So I want to talk to you about it today. I believe it's my duty as a pastor um, I believe it's my duty to, to make sure that you understand there is a certain responsibility that we have as believers. Amen. We can't just come in and sit and feed on all the blessings and all the rewards and all the good stuff. Now, I can preach that to you all day long. It is in the Bible. We approve of it. We approve of that. But that is not all. Amen. If I'm going to be a responsible minister of God, I've got to say to you, now, hold on a minute. You have a responsibility now that you know about the righteousness of God and you have been born again and God is blessing you to be and to begin to respond and begin to be more like him. So, let's look at the Bible. I, was, I, 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 want, you to, I want you to know what I'm about to say now. It's gonna, it's gonna, I've already kind of tipped my hand a little bit. I'm going to talk to you about fear and holiness. Fear and holiness. Let's, what, let's, you know, it doesn't matter what I really think, but it does matter what the Bible says. Here in Psalms 86, verse 7, it says, God is greatly to be feared. Wow. In the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Now, is that not very clear or not? So God is greatly to be feared. But what, what are we talking about here? So, so again, what is this fear? Is it intimidation and, and fright and, and terror? Or is it just awe and respect? Or could it even possibly be a little of both? Because I don't know how much you've read your Bible, but I've seen some things in the Bible that would curl your hair. Like priests who touched things they weren't supposed to and they died. People who God told to do something and they didn't and they died. People who murmured and complained and the earth opened up and swallowed them. And somehow if we don't watch it, we'll give God's people this idea that you really shouldn't have any kind of, ooh, that's God. But I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to approach him carelessly. Now, I know the scriptures, you can't quote them any better than me than I can quote them right back. Come boldly to the throne of grace. I get it. I get it. You are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. All those things, I get it. I know all, I, can, I can give you chapter and verse if you want me to for all of that. But in that also, we need to look at these other parts of God. There's some aspects and facets of God we need to, some of you in the military, I don't know what, where you were at in your rank, whether you were maybe just an E2 or 3 or maybe you'd made some kind of rank at some point. But I just have a feeling 
that the higher the rank of the person who walked in, the greater the, uh, ooh. <laughs> am I right? I mean, I, I was never in the military. Tell me, am I right? There was a little bit of awe and maybe even a little bit of fear that I don't want to do anything wrong in the presence of this particular person here. Because there could be some repercussions. There could be some fallout. And the last thing I want to do is do something, even whether it was knowingly or unknowingly foolish, and suffer for it. And see, we are at the point where we think God's our buddy. We preach so much against fearing God that we think he's, he's my pal, he's my buddy. Come on, hey, come on. Yo, God, come on, God. Yo. God, I'm only going to drink two drinks today. Come on in here with me. Now let me let it get quiet in here. Understand, he said, I am holy. He's telling you something about himself. He said, be you holy for I am am holy. I'm a holy God. There's no unholiness in me. I don't have a little bit of the world in me and a little bit of me in me, if that makes sense. I'm holy. And so you've got to understand and you have to get a picture of that. Let's read another scripture here. Deuteronomy 6 and 2, that you might as fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes. How many? All his commandments, which I command you, that you and your son and your son's son all the days of your life and that, you, that your days may be prolonged. So whether I have a long life or not could deter, be determined somewhat about whether I fear God or not. So I got I to gotta understand as much as he's my father and he loves me and I can have some casualness with him, I can't be totally casual. Because he's still my God, still my Savior. He's still the one that pulled me out of the pit of hell. He's the one that has ultimate power over everything. All power, right? Deuteronomy 8 and 6. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. To do what? Wow. Well, pastor, you pull three verses out and I know about 25 about righteousness and I know about 40 about grace. So, you know, okay, well, let me just go ahead and help you here. The fear of God's mentioned 86 times actually in scripture. Oh, wait a minute. But also the fear of the Lord, this is different, is mentioned 186 times in scripture. Oh, wait a minute. And fear God, just the words fear God appears 134 times. I'm not, a, I'm pretty good with math. That's probably like 420. And I don't have that written on my paper, but I'm pretty good with numbers. So 420 times in your Bible, it says something about fearing the Lord or fearing God. But you can go to some churches and be there five years and you'll never hear it. Even though it appears 420 times in scripture. Now I've got to correct that in this church. Because I know that God's about to do some big things in this church. How do you know? Because whenever there's pressure, there's always going to be promotion. Folks, I've been around a while. You understand? I want you to know that you're not seeing the same man you've seen in the past. Amen. Now, I'm quiet, lovable, humble, and lovable. Bless you, sir, you know, like shoeshine boy. But I'll tell you something else. I'm not going to be pushed around. And I'm the pastor of this church, and I'm going to stand strong. 
with my teeth in the wind. I love everybody. I love everybody in the building. I love people that aren't here. I love, I, that's, the, that's, the, that's the weird thing about it all. I love people that aren't here. I love them. I don't hate on anybody. I don't wish anybody ill. I don't wish anybody anything bad. I, I just, I'm, I'm a lover of men. But I say this to say that God is about to do something big in the body of Christ. I believe this is an area we better get right. There are times when I don't want God to be my buddy. There's times I want him to be my God. I don't want him to be my buddy sometimes. I need God. I need the creator of heaven and earth that can go and make everything change. I don't need my pal and my buddy. He's not my teddy bear, my little cuddly toy. He's my God. He deserves my awe, respect, and even, yes, a little bit of my fear. Because of the awesomeness of his power. Because if he does get ticked off, God forbid. I know he re- Listen, I know the scripture. See, you can't quote me because I, I can quote you. Nahum 1 and 3. He reserves his wrath for his enemies. I know that. But yet I still see there are times when people cross the line. He'll say something like, touch not mine anointed. Do my prophets no harm. And then we see people do that in scripture and what happens to them. Some of them were godly people. God says, you just crossed the line. Or one of you, you, you know, somebody in your own life here. We're not talking about, you know, so we got to understand this. Uh, the word fear, when it's mentioned like fear God, fear the Lord, it means all of character, all, A-W-E, of power, all of position, and all of holiness. I am in awe of God's holiness because when it's really present in a room, it really makes you feel unholy. Now, I don't know how self-righteous you think you are and how wonderful and perfect you think you are, but let me tell you something. When I was laying right here in this space where it says faith last night, I felt pretty unholy. And I hadn't been out with a woman and I hadn't been out drinking and I hadn't been out doing it. I've been at home studying for this message. That's what I chilled. Pastor Ginger knows. I studied for the message. It was 9 o'clock. She said, where are you? Or it was like 10 minutes to 9 because I lived five minutes here. I said, I'm headed to church. I said, I got to get over there and pray and anoint the chairs and get ready for service in the morning. And so, I mean, I had, all I'd done all day was take care of my dogs, take my, life, take, take my wife to lunch and study for the message. I don't know if I did anything unholy. I don't think I did. But let me tell you something. When I got right there and the presence of God got on me, I felt pretty unholy. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad I did. I'm glad I didn't think that I was all fixed up and all perfect and all set and all of this. I'm so glad that I got the sense of I serve a holy God. I'm so glad that I didn't get cocky and arrogant and feel like, you know, there was no space for me to repent or to change or to become more like him. So glad. What does Proverbs 1 and 7 say? Here, this ought to help you right here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So you really don't know anything if you don't fear God. You might know book stuff, but it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's how you can finally begin to understand things when you have the fear of the Lord. When you have the fear of the Lord in your life. James Merritt, listen to what he said. This is a pastor. He said, I read about a public school teacher who was retiring early, 
When they asked her why, this is how she responded. The problem is really fear, she said. The teachers are now afraid of the principals. The principals are afraid of the superintendents. The superintendents are afraid of the school boards. And the boards are afraid of the parents. And the parents are afraid of the children. But the children, they're not afraid of anybody. Wow. Wonder why we've had a breakdown and where children now are in control and almost put their parents in fear. Why? I, I think it all goes back to the fear of the Lord. It's been lost in our land. It's been lost in our country. And it's been lost in our homes. There used to be a time, a time we would use this phrase about someone uh, if they were in the church. You would say, well, tell me about so-and-so. Well, uh, he, he's a plumber and uh, he's, got, he's married to this uh, woman. He, they've got three children. And, and you, they would add this caveat, he's a God-fearing man. How many remember when people used to say that? I don't ever hear anybody say that anymore. I think I know why they don't say that anymore. People don't fear God. We'll do whatever we want to. We'll say whatever we want to. We'll attack anybody we want to. There's no fear. No fear that there'll be some retribution or something from heaven or even worse, something from hell. Keith Moore said, when we were out there at the Believers Convention a couple weeks ago, he said, the worst fear is that God will remove his hand of protection from our lives. God does not owe the unholy protection. Now, I didn't say the ungodly and I didn't say the unbeliever. I said the unholy. And that would hit on some believers. God doesn't owe people that get into unholiness. He doesn't owe them protection. That's a pretty serious, I mean, I, I absolutely have to depend on God to take care of me, to protect me, to protect my family. I can take certain measures, and I do, in the natural, but ultimately I have to let that dependence be on God and not on me. Can you shout amen? amen? A Persian poet, somebody commented on the early service. They love this quote, and if you listen to it a minute, maybe you'll get it. A Persian poet said, I fear God, and next to God, I chiefly fear him who fears him not. So the person you don't want to hang around with is the person who does not fear God. That's the person you want to stay clear of. That's the person you don't want to fellowship with. That's the person you don't want to buddy up with. That's the person you don't want to answer to. That's the person that you want to say, I'm not joining you. Because it's obvious you don't fear God. Can you shout amen? And I love everybody. And it's, you know, actually, I say that, and it's really true. And it bugs people that I love everybody. They don't understand how I do it. I think, Jerome, we were having a discussion last night about it. I don't know why. Sometimes I wish I didn't. But I do. I do. I really do. Psalm 25, 12 from the New Living Translation says, Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. So, wow, if you fear God, God will give you direction. He'll show you the path you need. Because if you don't fear God, you'll, you'll make some reckless choices. 
You'll make some reckless decisions. You'll do things that will make people go, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing that. Because you didn't consult God. You didn't talk to God. You don't have to, you know, so you just go in and launch into to anything. Didn't we used to do that when we were unsaved? Didn't we just launch into things and we didn't fear God, man? We just did whatever and we just launched. And how many messes did we? I was, a, I was the chief of it all. I was one of those people, you never, if, hey, I dare you. It's like, oh God. And sometimes I didn't even have to have a double dog dare or the dreaded, uh, what was it, triple dog dare? And if you don't have God, you won't choose correctly. And if you don't fear God, you, you'll, you'll just make fleshy decisions and dress them up like they're gods. Give them the appearance of God, put a scripture on them and say, that's God. You know, there was a time when people came to church. Now, now see, I've been around a while, y'all. This makes six, I've been in six decades, in parts of six decades, I've been a Christian and all, almost all of in ministry. 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010, and now 2020s. Six decades. So I've seen a few things. And there was a time when you came to church, most of the people heard the message and immediately on the way home said, we got to fix some things. They didn't hear the message and go, you want chicken or hamburger? That wasn't the first conversation in the car. The first conversation is, car, did you hear that? We got to go home and fix some of this. We can't keep doing some of this stuff. That message really got me. It really, it really hit home. I've got, I've got to address some things. And you'd go home and a lot of times they would do it. They would address it. And now people, like I say, they'll hear a message. They'll cheer a little bit for it. They'll laugh a little. They'll cut up. They'll take a few notes. Oh, it was a good thing. Okay, what are we doing now? And there's no adjustments. There's no response to the word. You know, the word, the word will not return void unless you just don't accept it. And then a year will pass and two years will pass and things will be pretty much the same and they'll be wondering what's happening. But where, where, where's the response? Now, how many of you know that if I got to choose what I got to preach, I'd like to preach happier sermons? There's going to come a day when I'll stand before God for this church. No one else that's here and no one else that's left will do that except me. That's pretty ominous. I take it pretty seriously. I talk to my God a lot. I talk to my father a lot. And I, I ask him, if, I, if I'm messing up, you tell me. But I don't need anybody unqualified to tell me. I've got a pastor who knows everything about my life and about the workings of this church. Remember that. Remember that every time. Just remember that every day. Remind yourself of that. When I say everything, I mean everything. Knows everything. And I tell him, and Dr. Barkley has no problem setting you straight. And I'm so grateful I have a man, qualified man in my life who's willing to take the risk of telling me, William, you ought to change that, William. When you preach that, watch out on this one. William, you know, if you're a pastor and a minister, this would be something be better for you to be doing. You could do this. And I've got some of that counsel over the years, and i got to tell you, I've never left mad. I've never left like, well, I'm getting me somebody to tell me something different. No, I've said, yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord, that you love me enough to give me a man of God that'll talk to me and tell me the word, set me straight. I appreciate that. I really do. Listen to what Psalms 34, 7 says. The angel of the Lord stays close around, this is New Living Version. The angel of the Lord stays close around those who fear him. Hmm. And he takes them out of trouble. So if I'm going to, we can claim the angels around us all we want to. Oh, God's angels watch over me to protect me. Psalm 91, you know, a thousand fall at my side, 10,000 my right hand, but it'll not come near me. Not if you don't fear God. He just told us right here that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. We, we are so wrong to think that everything is automatic and it just is a great big package that's just given to us and we basically don't have to do anything. And the preach, it's because the preaching's gotten softer, which has caused the saints to get softer. That's why everybody gets mad. It's in America. It's, every, it's not the church. It's on the, it's on the job. You guys know this. You work jobs. It's everywhere you go. It's at home. A parent gets on a child and the child gets mad and back talks. And, man, I tell you what, there was a time a child just didn't do that. You don't stand there and back talk your mom and dad now. Can I get some old saints here to help me out with this one? Now, honey, you might, talk, you might back talk me once, but you'll be going to the dentist in a little while. Man, I don't think that's right. You're talking about child abuse. Well, what about parent abuse? Right? You get on the job now, somebody, you know, gets in there, next thing you know, you know, and I mean, no wonder we can't get stronger. No wonder we can't grow through. No wonder we can't get to the levels that God wants us to so we can finally win over some of these devils that have beaten us up for years. It's because we just won't accept any correction at all. Hebrews 12 is clear. It says, if a father loves his son, he'll chasten him. Now see, but we don't, we don't want to hear that and we don't want that. Can you say amen? Proverbs 16, 6, New Living Version says, the fear of the Lord keeps one away from sin. See, there was a time where God's saints were afraid to sin. Man, if I lay down with that woman... God might strike me dead. Now, whether that theology is good or not, I'm not too sure that the motive's not bad. I better not slip around here and take a few drinks because, you know, God delivered me from that. And, and I better not because, you know, sure as the world I do that, I'll have a wreck on the way home kill myself. Now, I don't know if that would really happen or not, but it's pretty good that we were afraid to sin. See, when we lost the fear of God. We lost the fear of everything. Fear of repercussions, fear of retribution. We just lost it. Can you say amen? How, how are we doing? Are you okay? GP, are you with me? Well, pastor's sending a message. I am to me. It all started right here on this floor. Amen. Listen to this. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Proverbs 10, 27, NIV. Can you say amen? amen? So can you have a love for someone and have 
a somewhat healthy kind of fear? Well, I think you can. What about your parents? I mean, if you're any kind of decent son or daughter, you can absolutely have a love for your parents and at the same time a little bit of a, oh, I better not do that. So I don't think it's bad or wrong for anybody to fear God. I don't think it's bad or wrong for anybody to have a little bit of, ooh, I better not. I better not. Now, in the Bible, there are instances again where people drop dead or swallow them up, like I said. There's a lot of things in the Bible here that we like to kind of read over the top of. But we better be very careful. All scripture is given by God. And it's profitable for inspiration. And one of those things in there is correction, exhortation, correction. It's profitable. Amen. When we stand before God, we're going to give an account of every idle word. Everything we say. Think about how minute that is. That is a really, hold it, I know it doesn't sound faith-filled, scary thought. Because, boy, we like, you know what the Lord's got on me about lately? See, I don't mind telling you my stuff. The Lord's got on me. He said, you had better. This is about some stuff like route, like in my personal life at my house and stuff like that, not church stuff. He said, I'm tired of hearing you murmur. The other day I was doing it. I was at the house like, these dogs, I tell you what, they're running me silly and I'm having to clean up after these dogs. And I'm walking around just, I'm telling you what, these sick, I mean, this is ridiculous. I cleaned up that puddle and there's some over there. They st- I got to do this. I got to go to this. And the Lord said, hello. I said, I'm serious as I can be. He said it. He said, do you know why the children of Israel never got into the promised land? I said, well, they disobeyed you. He said, back up a notch. He said, you read it. They murmured. And if you'll read, you'll, you'll remember it said, I heard it. Yes. He said, it all started with their murmuring. And that led them into disobedience and anger. And before you know it, they were left out of the promised land. I've had to adjust some things. He was right. I called my, because I'm a person who talks to myself a lot. If you follow me around, you'd either think I'm really hearing from God or you think I'm a nut. <laughs> I love the old Andy Griffith reels, you know. They'd have the ones on there with, with Ernest T. Bass and, and everybody on there would be talking about he's a mean and honorary character. He's just downright no good. And I love what Barney always said. I think he's a nut. <laughs> Remember that? Andy, you know. And I, I realized it wasn't just the dogs. I was outside. I'm going to fill up. And I'm talking to myself out loud. Nobody's out there but me. Except remember, God hears everything. I got to fill these bird feeders again. My God, why do we have to have five of these things? I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm just going at it. And the Lord said, you better stop. Yes, sir. You better stop murmuring. Thank you. Yeah. That's one thing. I found that out about God. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like that stuff. He doesn't like you murmuring. Griping, fussing, complaining. It leads to every other thing that just is so negative. Everybody say, God help pastor. Thank you. Thank you. I need it. Listen to this. Hebrews 12, 28. Turn over there real fast. I know we got to get done here. Yeah, I need to be closing here pretty fast now. Are you okay? Hebrews 12, 28. 
and verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. Now, let's stop right there. Well, yes, see, pastor, grace, 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 grace. I can drink a little, I can sleep around a little, because God knows, and I'm the righteous of God, and you're all right, I'm all right, and it's all good, and uh, grace, grace, grace. Well, I think we ought to read the rest of this verse. Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Oh, I haven't heard those grace preachers preach that part of the verse. Right? We might serve him with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Wow. If you're going to preach grace, you better bring this verse. You better show it. Because it's telling you, uh, yeah, you've obtained this grace. There's a great ministry of grace being given to you. It's absolutely. But then the response is that you serve him with reverence and with holiness for our God is a consuming fire. Yes. We forgot that. We still think he's the genie that we rub the bottle and we get our blessings out of. We think he's our buddy that goes along with us wherever we go. We think he's our friend. Now, I'm not opposed to some songs that call God our friend. We have a couple of them here. But I do want to warn you a little bit. There's only one person in the Bible that God called his friend. And it was Abraham. That's because he cut a covenant with Abraham. And that word friend in there was capitalized with a capital F. It didn't mean like my buddy, my little pal that hangs out with me, my little guy. You know, little mini me. Right? Can you shout amen? amen? I love this again. I mentioned about people being God-fearing in Acts 20, 10, 22. Here's what they said about Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was a Roman. He was a Roman. But here's what they said about Cornelius. They said he's a just man and one who fears God. Wow. Could that, would that not be said and could it not be said and shouldn't it not be said for all of us? Well, they're a just person. They love God. They fear him. Fear God. What does that mean? It gives you the confidence that they're not going to do anything reckless because they know God's watching. When you fear God, it means you take into account what God would want you to do and whether he'd want you to do it or not because you fear God. You fear God that if you do the wrong thing, make the wrong move, make the wrong mistake, God will move his hand of protection back or you'll get lost back out in the world again or, 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 and you could fill in that blank with a lot of oars. Anybody home today? Amen. 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 So I stand here before you today, after having been on that floor right there last night, saying, woe is me. I've been unholy. I've murmured. I've griped. I've fussed. I've complained. I've grouched. I've said, this isn't fair. God, it's not fair what I'm going through. It's not fair what people are doing to me. It's not fair what's happening around me. It's not fair. I've served you all these years. I've done all these things. I've been faithful as I know how to be. It's not fair. And God said, enough of that. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. You're going to have to correct that. 
This is my last thing. I wrote it down in a little, I got rid of my other notebook. It was time for that one to go. And I've got a different one. I'm got a contemporary one here. And this says, uh, I wrote this down this morning. It's not in my notes. Personal holiness brings you into a holy place you cannot access any other way. Personal holiness brings you into a holy place you cannot access any other way. There are going to be some places that God wants you to be in that you'll never get in if you don't have some personal holiness. If you just want to flirt with the world and live with the, live with the world a little bit, you're going to, you're, your relationship with God will never even get near to where it should get. Amen. His demand, his presence demands holiness. First thing we got to do is acknowledge he's holy. You know, Revelation says, holy, holy, holy. This last thought, um, I won't go there. I heard a minister preaching on it, did a great job. Never heard it before. So I, I can't, it wouldn't be fair for me to start on it because I have to elaborate on all of it if I gave it to you. I'll, I'll just summarize and say this. He pointed out that for you to be able to minister to God personally, and we all should. You know, you can actually minister to God. How many of you know that you're all priests unto God? Remember the book of Revelation? That's certainly in your future. We kings and priests on this earth for a thousand years during the millennial reign at the end of the great tribulation, which comes at the, you know, the rapture happens, seven years of tribulation at the end, thousand year millennial reign. We all know that. Um, but he pointed out and he showed some places that back in the Bible in Ezekiel where certain priests were allowed to minister to the people, but not to him because they weren't, they, they were just, they'd gone lax and were just acting like the world. God said, okay, listen, I'll let you go and take care of the people because somebody's got to take care of them. But you're not coming in here to minister to me because you're not ready. And I thought, whoa, that was pretty sobering. So I went like that myself and thought, God, I, God forbid I should ever get myself into a place where you don't, you'll say, you can't minister to me. You minister to those people, you can't minister to me. You've got yourself outside of the holiness now. You've got yourself back out and you... Now, I love you, but you can't minister to me because I'm holy. So, we got a couple more weeks to go. Can we handle this? Wonder what would happen if we all suddenly get the fear of the Lord in our lives again. In a healthy way. Say, God, am I okay? God, am I, have, I been, have I disregarded you? Have I disrespected you with my behavior the way I've been? Have I been too casual? Have I been too casual with you? Have I not stopped to realize who you are and what you've done? And, and, and if I have, Lord, then please, I want to correct that. What would happen if for the next, let's say, two, three weeks, you took, I don't know, 10 minutes a day? Cut off your phone, please, for the love of God. Because God forbid you should get a Facebook hit. Or a message in Messenger. Cut it off and just get alone with God somewhere. Just you and God, nobody else. Just, just, I tell you what's going to happen if you get real serious. You're going to feel how holy he is. And you're going to feel how unholy you are, which is, which is all of us. And you're going to say, you know what? i got to fix a couple things. I can't. This is ridiculous. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online 
Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a dose of hope.com. You've been listening to outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.